0: Alright, thank you everyone so much for joining us for this afternoon session at ASI Virtual. We're super excited to have uh, Narlyn Edwards here. I hope I'm saying your name correctly, but we're super excited That's to have perfect. him here. Okay, good. Talking about medical missionary work and the third angel's message. Um, so. I'm going to hand this over to, to him, but just a quick note, everyone who's watching, make sure that you leave your questions in the chat box, because at the end, we're going to have about 15 minutes of a Q&A. So um, Mr. Edwards is going to be answering your questions, and he can't do that if you don't leave any questions. So definitely um, utilize that chat box, and I will hand things over. Thank you all so much for being here.
1: Happy, uh, almost a happy Sabbath is such an habit. But uh, let me say good afternoon to everyone. It is a, a blessing and a privilege to be here with you all and happy Sabbath when it does come. Um, and uh, we trust that you have a blessed Sabbath and I hope that you've been enjoying the ASI seminars so far. And when I was asked to speak on medical missionary work in the third angel's message, I, I, I thought, praise the Lord. It is one of my passions. And it's something that I have personally have been engaged in for the last 12 years full-time in bringing the connection with the third angel's message and medical missionary work. Um, So that that is the subject that we'll be covering, but my specific title for what we'll cover this afternoon is repairer of the breach, repair of the breach. Now, before I jump right in, it will be good for you to at least know a little bit about who I am. Um, As been mentioned, my name is Norlin Edwards. And in 2008, uh, the Lord, compelled both my wife and I to go full-time in ministry, and we both left well-supported careers and took a step of faith uh, to move forward in doing God's work full-time. And the, the, the passion that brought this the, our ministry together was the burden of seeing the connection with the health reform, medical missionary work, and the third angel's message. Um, so since 2008, we started our training. end of 2009, we finished, um, and then uh, in 2010, we went full, uh, full-time full in ministry in a self-sacrificing and faith-based um, ministry. So we founded this, my wife and my daughter and myself, of course. Her, my daughter's name is Hannah. My wife's name is Samantha. And um, we founded um, the ministry called Tree of Life Ministries. Now, this ministry has been the, the root and the birth of many of the things that we've been doing over the past few years. Since then I've served at other ministries such as Meat Ministry in, in, uh, in Huntington, Tennessee as an uh, associate director there. I'm still currently serving at Weimar as the evangelism director. I oversee the program called TCI, which some of you might've heard about. So I'm still there. But all of that was birthed out of the, 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 the offspring of Tree of Life Ministries, which is a preaching, teaching, healing ministry uh, Model after Christ's ministry. Now, since then, um, the Lord has blessed us in many ways. One of my passions was outpost evangelism with city mission work. And for years, my wife and I prayed about how we could get into this work. And the Lord blessed us recently uh, with this property, and it's in Stanton, Kentucky. And I also direct this ministry it's called Red River Outpost. Red River Outpost. And we have a virtual booth. So if you have not yet, visited the Red River Outpost booth, go ahead and do so. You could also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at redriveroutpost.com. You could also visit our website at www.redriveroutpost.org if you want to learn further information about who we are, what we do. But it's pretty much combining outpost evangelism with health reform, medical missionary work, uh, canvassing, agriculture, um, different, you know, trades and industries and, uh, and things of that nature. And a missionary training school and take this experience now into the cities and train with the workers who have been trained and do a city mission evangelism work. You can learn much more about it on our website. And more recently, my wife um, is the founder of, it's my lovely wife here, praise God. (laughs) Uh, She's she started a business or business tree, as we were used to saying now. We're called New Breed Meats. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at New Breed Meats. And you can visit our website there at www.newbreedmeats.com. And it's pretty much taken the council to start up a food factory and use it in a, in a, in a unique way to, to evangelize. And for those who are at Louisville ASI last year, uh, many of you were able to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because <laughs> the Lord blessed us to be able to develop a very tasty product that is designed to take the place of meat, and Ellen White says, soon there'll be many besides Seventh-day Adventists who will discard of meat eating altogether. Therefore, she said, we are to produce products that are, will be able to take the place of meat. And New Breed Meats was able to accomplish that purpose. It's very tasty. Um, it's, it, it's, it's in the same um, level as uh, Beyond and Impossible um, uh, taste-wise with much healthier, uh, more minimal ingredients, and the Lord has blessed it to be an excellent, excellent product. And so far, many meat eaters have tasted it, and they said, "Look, it is excellent." And I wish I could share more about this. But we also have a virtual booth here at New Breed Meats. So if you have not visited that that booth, go ahead and do that as well to learn more about what we're doing and how we're going to use that as a means of uh, combining with missionary work, with health coaching, and uh, direct to consumer model, et cetera, et cetera. It's catching so much attention now. The Lord is blessing. We were just in Atlanta. Uh, pitching it to a few restaurants there and if things work out we're gonna uh, be able to get a major more prominent restaurants there in atlanta so i'm soliciting your prayers uh with the development of new breed as well because the goal of new breed is to be able to support ministries um in such a way that we can hasten the second coming of christ all right so just wanted to give you a little bit of background so let us pray and jump into our message which is under the the auspice of medical missionary work in the third angel's message, but specifically this afternoon, it is called repairer of the breach. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for the time that we could spend in study and prayer. And I pray that this will not just lead to further knowledge without activity, Father, because we don't just have a proclamation. We want also a demonstration. We don't just want a, a declaration. We want a manifestation, Father. So I pray that as we study today, that you'll compel, drive, and move us to go forward in the work as medical missionaries. And I pray for wisdom, as we have much to cover in a little time, but we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to start off with a poll question, and uh, just to let you know that the streaming is about a minute behind uh, what I'm actually sharing live, so there's going to be a slight delay, but the first question I would like is, what's the first thought that comes to mind when you hear medical missionary work? Then I'll give you some options, and I want to see the majority of what has been selected based on options. What is the first thought that comes to mind when you hear medical missionary work? Number A, prayer. B, counseling. C, Bible study. D, herbs, poultices, hydro, massage. E, all of the above. And F, none of the above. What is the now listen to the question? What is the first thought that comes to mind when you hear medical missionary work? All right, and as soon as those are are gathered, um, Christy will let us know what the results are. And I like to know this because this kind of helps me to uh, be able to uh, kind of assess uh, the audience that I'm speaking with, um, and, and then I'll share with you my perspective based upon these. Uh, the response to these poll questions. All right. First thought. All right. So
0: the number one answer, the majority chose herbs, poultices, hydro and massage. Um, And then the second best was all of the above. That was the second option. So those were the two that were selected.
1: I'm very happy about that. And the reason why I'm saying I'm happy is that is what most people think about when they think about medical missionary work. And that's what we want to change as we go through our presentation today. That is our goal. So notice this first statement that we're going to start with. It's from the book, Counselors on Health, page 540. And I challenge all of us to commit this statement to memory. Counselors on Health, page 540, paragraph 4. And when I do these presentations live, before we finish, we actually have this committed to memory. But I want you to notice what this statement says. It says, the work of the true medical missionary is largely a spiritual work. I'm going to repeat that. The work of the true medical missionary is largely a spiritual work. Now, in most cases, I do get that results, herbs, hydrotherapy, and the physical aspect, which is important because it is a, it is a vantage point. It is a, a segue. It is a door in which we can truly carry out the essence of what the heartbeat of what medical missionary work is all about. But I want to change the fact that this is the first thing that comes to mind, because from this statement, Committed to Memory, I want you to notice it says that the work of the true medical missionary is largely a spiritual work. Now, Ellen White has another statement in Volume 5 of the Testimonies, page 444, where she says, sickness of the mind prevails everywhere. Then she says, nine-tenths of the disease from which men suffer has their foundation here. What is that saying? It's saying 90% of diseases from which men suffer starts in the mind. That's why the work of the true medical missionary is largely a spiritual work. And there's no poultice for depression. There's no hydrotherapy for depression. Now, now these, these, these modalities definitely help. But if we don't understand the spiritual ramification of why a person is going through discouragement, why a person is going through despair, why a person is going through unforgiveness, and as a result of these uh, mental dispositions now, at least to physical ailments. And if we're only addressing the physical, not realizing that the work of a true medical missionary is largely a spiritual work, then we can only reach at best 10% of people that needs help. Notice what it goes on to say. It says, it includes prayer and the laying of hands. Watch what this says, speaking of the physician. He therefore should be as sacredly set apart for his work as is the minister of the gospel. Wow. This is amazing. So it's saying a physician who is a medical missionary, it should be as sacredly set apart as the minister of the gospel. Now we're told that um, every we've come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. That's volume seven, page 62. Now, the unfortunate realities, and I share that statement as a foundation for what I'm going to share next, there's also an idea that only physicians and nurses and other medical professionals are, are to engage in medical missionary work. And the reason why that, that, that mentality is there is because, you know, as the poll stated, uh, when we think about medical missionary, the first thing that comes to mind is hydro, poultices, massage, et cetera, et cetera. The first thing that should come to mind now as a medical missionary is the work of the true medical missionary is largely a spiritual work and how we are going to address the spiritual issues that people are facing. Now, the unfortunate state of medical missionary work is this. I got this from one of my favorite uh, speakers slash writers. He's also the founder of Wildwood Health Retreat in North Georgia, where I am now. I'm actually in LJ, Georgia, as we speak. But uh, this is in Wildwood, Georgia, and it's Elder Fazee. And he said, this is the state of medical missionary work. He died in 1996. He says, medical missionary work, like its divine author, has been crucified between two thieves. Now, we're going to see that Christ is the true medical missionary. And Christ has left us an example of what a medical missionary should be. And Elder Frazee is saying, medical missionary work, like its divine author, has been crucified between two thieves. What are these thieves? The thief of professionalism. Know what that means? The mindset that only professionals should take hold of this work. Every member of the church, he said, should take hold of medical missionary work. Then he also says commercialism is the other thief. And what is commercialism? Commercialism is thinking about, I cannot do this work unless I can see how it can be capitalized on Financially, how it's going to be beneficial financially, and it must be, uh, you know, organized and structured in such a way that it's a financial benefit. Those are the two thieves, my friend, that's crucifying medical missionary work, or that medical missionary work is being crucified in between commercialism and also professionalism. So, now let's get to the essence of medical missionary work because we're talking about how it is connected to the third angel's message. And we saw that medical, the work of a true medical missionary, Council on Health, page 540 is largely a spiritual work. Now, in the book of Psalm 67, notice what the Bible says. In the book of Psalm 67, notice what it says. We're going to look at how medical missionary work should be used and what was God's original design and purpose, what we have done wrong, and by God's grace, what we as a people are going to do to correct it. Psalm 67 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. And when we talk about medical missionary work, it's also linked with health reform. Notice what it says in Psalm 67 and verse 2. Now, trust that you're following along with your Bibles. The Bible says that thy way may be known upon the earth. Then it goes on to say thy saving health among all nations. So what is God saying? God is saying, I want my saving health to be known among all nations. Now there's two things that I want you to notice in this verse. Number one, it says saving health. What does it mean by saving health? A message of self, a message of healing, a message that brings full restoration, a message of salvation. And God is saying, I want this, this, this saving health to be known among all nations. Now, what is the connection with the third angel's message? We know the first angel's message. In Revelation chapter 14, you could turn to your Bibles. So even though as Adventists, we should have this committed to memory. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. The Bible says, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Notice it says, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 67, verse 2, that thy saving health may be known among all nations. And now the Bible is saying in the first angel's message that it should be known among every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Now, if the saving health is known in every nation and the first, second, and third angel's message is to go to every nation, then we can begin to see how the first angel's message, the second angel's message, and the third angel's message have a direct link with health reform, has a direct link with medical missionary work. Hence, we're covering medical missionary work and the third angel's message, the three angel's messages. Now, as you look at it, it says, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, unto every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And then it goes on to say, worship him that has made. Now, I want to pause there for a moment. How do we worship someone that has made? You know, oftentimes you go to museums and you notice that they have, the? you know, I, I, I had the, the privilege of, of going to the Louvre in, um, in uh, Paris, um, in France. And um, one of the things that you notice is that the Mona Lisa is encased in, gra- in glass. And in addition to that, it was kept away from people. In other words, they, they are trying to protect that which the inventor or the creator has made. So therefore, they make sure it's encased and kept away and protected. When the Bible says, worship him that has made, the crown creation of God is man. The Bible says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when we realize that we are God's crown creation, that we are in fact fearfully and wonderfully made, and we want to worship him that has made, God is saying, I want you to protect and to preserve and to take care of that which I have created. The same way a man puts a care into Mona Lisa painting, God says, how much more you should t- put care into the body which I have made. So you honor your creator by taking care of that which you have made. Now, when you worship in him that has made and taken care of his crown creation, which is our bodies, then you begin to think, what do I want to put in this body if I'm going to preserve or to, to, to ensure I'm put in the best position that which the, our creator has made? Then we begin to see what we eat, what we drink, and all that we do we must do all to the honor of glory of God. We begin to say now, I need to make sure that I get enough exercise. I need to make sure that I get enough sunlight. I make sure that I get enough uh, rest and p- put proper nutrients in my body, et etc. et cetera. And also, and I want to make sure that I fully trust in God, pretty much going through the eight laws of health. That's how the Bible says, worship him that has made. Now, I want you to notice that you find a health reform right there in the first angel's message. Now, then the Bible goes on to say, because the hour of his judgment has come. That's a message of urgency. So God is saying that there is a sense of urgency to ensure that we're taking care of that which God has made. Not in addition to that, we see that Babylon will be falling. We see that the mark of the beast will be instilled. And we see that it is now linked with hell reform right there in the first angel's message. And now we begin to say, you know what? I want to bring others into this experience because I realize that there's people that does not realize that it's God's judgment hour. And, w- and when we realize that it's God's judgment hour, my brothers and sisters, and you look at the template of the sanctuary, we see very clearly in the sanctuary that God is saying, you know, what? there's certain things that is, is prominent when the day of atonement is in place. We watch the kind of work that we we, we we engage in. We watch the things that we look at. We watch the places that we go. When we understand God's judgment hour, now you're saying, I realized through the first angel's message that hell reform is linked there. And also there's a judgment hour message. Now, in the sanctuary, there's, there are three components. There's a courtyard, there's the holy place, and there's also the most holy place. In the most holy place of the sanctuary, you find their manna. And manna is in the most holy place, my brothers and sisters. Now, what does manna represent? Manna represents health reform. So when you recognize that you're now in God's judgment hour, you see that God is now taking you off of the Egyptian diet in the judgment hour, in the most holy place, when the Ark of the Covenant And God is saying, now I'm translating your diet, I'm translating your appetite into the manner that which represents health reform. So now we see that right in the first angel's message. We're worshiping God who has made us. Why? Because we have to make sure that we honor our created, that which God has created. We also realize that we're in God's judgment hour, and in the judgment hour in the sanctuary, when we realize that... God is about to to to, to, to judge the world, and, and, and that we're living in a very serious time. We see what is in the sanctuary. We see that in the most holy place there's manna. What does manna represent? Manna represent when God took the children out of out of children of Israel out of Egypt, and they say, you know what? You are eating flesh foods. You are eating meats, and you're eating all kinds of uh, of unhealthy things. And the Egyptians, they suffer from heart disease. They suffer from diabetes. And by the way, there's archaeological uh, information that that shows this. Epidemiologists and many others have studied the Egyptians, and paleopathologists, and they see very clearly that the Egyptians had clogged arteries. And in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, the Bible says that God gave us the wonderful promise That will he'll put none of the diseases which he's brought upon the Egyptians, upon the children of Israel. But he says, if thou diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. So you can begin to see the combination. Now, God is saying, I have brought you out of Egypt. And I'm showing you that you are people of the judgment. That's what Laodicea is, the people of the judgment that's what Seventh-day Adventist is, my brothers and sisters. That's who we are. We realize that we are living in God's judgment hour. We realize that we have an urgent message of the sanctuary. We realize that we're in the most holy place. We realize that manna is in the most holy place, and we realize that manna represents hell reform. Therefore, God is saying he's taking us out of the worldly diet, out of the Egyptian diet. And as he did in Exodus chapter 16, now he's changing our diet And not only that, he's helping us realize that we are a people of a movement. We are a people of prophecy. We are people that have a specific message for this time. Now, I want you to notice what the statement says. The statement says, medical missionary work is to be closely connected with the ministry of the word. Bound up with the third angel's message. Then it says, when these parts of the work are carried forward on correct lines, the third angel's message will be given in accordance with God's purpose. Praise God. So we begin to see now that there is a link with health reform. There's a link with medical missionary work and the third angel's message. Now, which one goes first? Because the Bible says that by saving health of all nations. Then it also says medical missionary work and the third angel's message must go to all nations. But we're told that medical missionary work is the right arm of the gospel. So the medical missionary work goes before and begins to open the doors. And as it opens the doors, the body of the gospel begins to enter. So the body represents the gospel. The right arm represents the medical missionary work. And as the medical missionary work goes from door to door and from country to country and from nation and kindred and tongue and people, and as the medical missionary work goes and creates opportunities and opens a door, we want to make sure that when those doors are open that there is a body at the door. Because if a person opens a door and sees no body, then those doors are going to close. That body represents the three angels' messages. And the three angels' messages, my brothers and sisters, are very practical. They're very real. They deal with mental depression. They deal with mental issues. They deal with Bible prophecy. They deal with all uh, the, 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 the home and the and and, and 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 every aspect of life is found in the first, second, and third angels' message. But the, 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 the medical missionary work opens the door now and paves the way and creates opportunity for the three angels' messages the rise to its prominence. Now, why is it so important? Now, this is a third angel's message, which is the image of God. Notice what it says now, because in a third angel's message, you find one of two images, the image of the beast, or you find as it was in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the image of God. Now, I want you to notice what this says. um, It says, God desires his people to bind medical missionary work up with the work of the third angel's message. Listen to how important this is. It says, this is the work that will restore the moral image of God in man. Wow. Medical missionary work is designed to restore the moral image of God in man. What a powerful statement. Now, this leads to our next poll question. So, Christy, if you don't mind getting ready for our second poll question. Our second poll question is this. How familiar are you with the three angels messages. A unfamiliar. B somewhat familiar. C comfortable or D. very familiar. How familiar are you with the three angels messages? That's our next poll question. So we're gonna see if we can get the results for those and then we're gonna we're gonna move forward at full speed and by God's grace, we're going to dive deep into medical missionary work, health reform, and the third angel's message. All right, Christy.
0: Yeah, so we are just finishing up with the polling. And it looks like I'm just going to give everyone another few seconds to answer. All right, looks like we have, we have, one or most people said very familiar. And the second option that was, most chosen was comfortable. So those two answers: very familiar and comfortable.
1: Praise God! That thrills my heart. Amen. Because uh, this this is a thrust, and this is the heartbeat of Adventism. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move uh, full fledged now, and we're gonna dive deep into the message. Now I want you to notice a statement. It says here: every institution established by Seventh Day Adventists is to be to the world what Joseph was in Egypt. And what Daniel and his fellows were in Babylon. Every institution established by Seventh Day Adventists. Now, what was so special about Joseph and what was so special about Daniel? Um, normally I'll give time to answer that. In fact, um, I like to, you know, if you put some 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 comments or something uh, or something to to let me hear your perspective on this. We'll look at this at the end. And as Christy mentioned at the beginning, don't forget to ask your questions. Put those questions in a box so that when we are finished, and we have that question, and answer a time that there are actually questions to be answered. But I'd like to hear your comments as well. Uh, but since we don't have time to stop and get your input, I'm just going to jump right in. What was so special about Joseph and Daniel? There's many things. Um, they were young, young and, uh, and, 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 you know, faithful and diligent and powerful and so on and so forth. But what I want to bring to your attention is that they were both problem solvers for an issue that was taking place. Joseph was a solution in Egypt. When there was no the money had failed. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, Joseph was able to step in. And let me tell you my brothers and sisters, there's going to come a time where money's going to fail. When the Bible says that no man can buy and sell, and every institution established by Seventh-day Adventists is to be to the world what Joseph was in Egypt and what Daniel and his fellows were in Babylon. What was also so special about Daniel? Daniel was also a problem solver in Babylon. When there are issues that arose, anytime there was a, a problem that arose and no one had an answer to, they called Daniel. And because of Daniel's connection with God, we see that Daniel was able to give them a, a solution to the problem. Every institution established by Seventh-day Adventists is to be to the world what Joseph was in Egypt and what Daniel and his fellows were in Babylon. In the life of Daniel, you notice that Daniel's first test was health reform. We're going to come back to that. And as a result of his test on health reform, you notice that Daniel utilized medical missionary work as a means of bringing the gospel to the world. Because you would not have Daniel chapter 2. You would not have Daniel chapter 3. And all these prophetic chapters in Daniel 7, 8, 9, 11, and 12, if Daniel was not faithful in Daniel chapter 1 on a message of health reform. But my question is, what got Daniel in that vicarious position as a slave? We're gonna come back to that because our subject is repairer of the breach. Now, what are these institutions and their purpose? Every institution established by seven the events is to be to the world what Joseph was in Egypt and what Daniel and his fellows were in Babylon. What are these institutions and their purpose? Notice what it says, God's purpose in giving the third angel's message to the world is to prepare a people to stand true to him during the investigative judgment. This is the purpose for which we establish and maintain our publishing houses, our schools, our sanitariums, hygienic restaurants, treatment rooms, and food factories. This is the purpose in which we carry forward every line of work in the cause. Now I want you to notice that statement says, every institution established by Seventh-day Adventist is to be to the world what Joseph was in Egypt and what Daniel and his fellows were in Babylon. So these are the institutions that are now established by Seventh-day Adventists, which are to be a Daniel in Babylon and a Joseph in Egypt, which means that they are to be problem solvers that prepare for the impending crisis of no buy, no sell, but also to develop a characteristic in our young age of faithfulness and diligence, but also to, like Daniel, utilize medical missionary work and health reform as a means of proclaiming the gospel, which Daniel eventually was able to claim the second angel's message, when he was the only one that was able to interpret the handwriting on the wall that said many, many and which means thou art weighed in the balances and i found one thing. In other words, Babylon is fallen. Daniel was not able to declare Babylon is fallen until he passed a test of health reform and medical missionary work in Daniel chapter 1. Just keep that in mind. So as you look at these institutions now, God is saying that these ought to be problem solvers for the world. Now, before I dive a little bit deeper, I'm going to go to our third poll question. Our third poll question is this. Based on the above statement, what is the purpose of our sanitariums? And these are all good answers, so be very careful. A, to heal the sick. B, to extend life. C, to prepare a people to stand. D, to cure COVID-19. Again, these are all excellent answers. So I'll keep talking while Christy get those polls together. Let me go back just to make sure you have the, uh, the options to heal the sick, to extend life, to prepare uh, people to stand and to cure COVID-19. What is the purpose of our sanitariums? These are the institutions. And the way I liking them is that there are multiple doors to the same room. Multiple doors to the same room. All right, we'll just wait to get the polls, and then we'll we'll move forward. All what right, so
0: uh, yeah, so we have. Let's close the poll here. Um, ah, one hundred percent chose option three to prepare a people to stand.
1: Praise God, Amen. <laughs> that thrills my heart. Now, notice it says when to prepare a people to stand true to Him. During the investigative judgment. And this is linked with the third angels message. I love your answers, by the way, praise God. Now I want you to notice that God understands that there's some people that will never read a book from that comes from our publishing houses. And by the way, this tells you what kind of books we should be publishing because it says God's purpose in giving a third angel's message to the world is to prepare, prepare people to stand in it. That means our publishing houses should only be publishing books that proclaims the third angel's message. Our schools should have its foundation rooted and grounded in the third angel's message. Our sanitarians should be rooted and grounded in the third angel's message. This is the purpose why God raised up these institutions. I liken them onto different doors to the same room. She says, medical missionary work is a door through which the truth is to find entrance to many homes in the cities. In other words, there's some might not come to our publishing houses, but they might come to our school. They might not come to our sanitariums, but they might come to a hygienic restaurant. They might not come to a hygienic restaurant, but they might take a food factory product. And whichever door, whether it's the door of the publishing house that they come through, or the door of the school that they come through, or the door of the sanitarium that they come through, whichever door of any institution that has been established by 7 day Adventist, they should be getting the very same thing, the first, second, and third angel's message. Now, I'm not saying that when they come through, you're going to say, you know, uh, God's judgment hour is here, and, and come out of Babylon, and, 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 and you know, if, if you worship the beast in his image, you're going to receive the mark of the beast. That's not what I mean by the third angel's message. The, message. the third angel's message is a message of restoration. It's a message that gets back to the Christ. It's righteousness by faith and verity. It points back to Christ as our creator as we realize that he is our maker. He's the one that's our high priest. He was the one that was slain in the courtyard as the lamb. He's the one that was the common priest in the holy place. In all aspects, the third angel's message points back to Christ, our righteousness. So don't miss that point as well. Then she says some would be reached by sanitarians which cannot be reached in any other way. All right, next. I want to make sure that we understood the varying uh, institutions. So let me ask this question. This is poll question number four. It says, which facility was not mentioned in Manuscript Releases Book One, page 228? Which one was not mentioned in Manuscript Releases Book One, page 228? A, schools, B, Sanitariums, C, church, D, publishing houses. Uh, Let me go back. So, which one was not mentioned? I didn't say which one was mentioned. Which one was not mentioned in the reference that talks about the varying institutions that are established by Seventh day Adventists? Which one was not mentioned? All right, we'll give you a moment to get those polls together. I'd like to hear your feedback on that which one was not mentioned
0: all right so i'm going to just give a couple more moments for people to answer not a problem and let's see which facility was not mentioned all right drum roll and it looks like 100 percent chose option three church
1: praise god you guys are paying attention amen all right very good now the reason why the church doesn't have to be mentioned is that all of these are under the church. We are the Seventh-day Adventist church. We have Seventh-day Adventist schools. We have Seventh-day Adventist sanitarians. We have Seventh-day Adventist publishing house and treatment rooms and food factories. So the church is the umbrella under which all of these institutions fall. So you're right. Church was not mentioned, but that does not mean that church is left out or negated. These institutions are helping hands to the church. They should be under the church, not some offshoot uh, spurious movement, they should be working harmoniously with the body of Christ in the church. All right. Now, even though that all of these things are mentioned, uh, publishing house, schools, food factories, et cetera, et cetera, there's one that God has given us specifically that breaks down prejudice and barriers more than any other. Now, once you notice what this says here, it says much of the prejudice that prevents the truth of the third angel's message from reaching the hearts of the people might be removed if more attention were given to health reform. Now, it says, when people become interested in this subject, the way is often prepared for the entrance of other truths. If they see that we are intelligent with regard to the health, they will be more ready to believe that we are sound in Bible doctrines. So we see that the health reform is designed specifically to break down the prejudice. Now I've probably made this one too easy. Let me just go ahead and ask. How can we how can prejudice be prevented towards the truth of the third angel's message? A preaching, B health reform, or C Bible work. How can the truth or how can prejudice be prevented? Uh, towards the truth of the third angel's message preaching a b help reform c bibor. now these are all good answers but we're looking at one specifically relative to what we have been sharing in the message so far and specifically the slide that we just shared so i'll give you a moment to uh to go through your polls and then i'll give christy a moment also to give me the results um preaching help reform by which one breaks down the prejudice Now,
0: it seems like these are all good answers, but the viewers have said 100% health reform.
1: Praise God. Amen. I I need to know who these viewers are so that they could begin to work with me right away. Uh, I I love the answers that you guys are choosing. Praise the Lord. So we see that health reform is designed specifically to break down the prejudice so that the third angel's message now can take its effect. That's what it says here. Uh, Most of the prejudice towards the truth of the third angel's message, that prevents the truth of the third angel's message from reaching the hearts, can be removed if more attention were given to health reform. Now, let's look at a biblical example of this. Let's go in our Bibles to the book of Second Kings, chapter twenty. In fact, I'm looking at my time. I'm just going to go through it very quickly. But you can turn your Bibles to Second Kings, chapter twenty, and you could study it. Now, in this story. King Hezekiah was given a death sentence. He knew that he was about to die. Isaiah the prophet came to him and said, prepare your house because you are about to die. Hezekiah began to pray. And as he began to pray, he says, Lord, I want more time. And before Isaiah left, uh, God says, you know what? I'm going to extend life. Go back. Now, Isaiah went back and through medical missionary work, he used a fake poultice, amen, medical missionary work, used a fig poultice, and he healed Hezekiah. When Hezekiah was healed, the kings from all around the world wanted to know how he was healed. Now watch this point. The Bible says, then Baruch Dalban, king of Babylon, came and inquired of Hezekiah how he had been healed. Now listen to this, my brothers and sisters. When Hezekiah was healed by medical missionary work, listen to this. It literally, literally drew Babylon to come to the remnant. You guys catch that? It drew Babylon to come to the remnant as a result of health reform. Now, instead of Hezekiah sharing with them that the God of heaven healed me. I, I prayed and, and God answered my prayer. And as a result now of, of, of the prophet coming in and, and, and telling me exactly what to do and to use a fig poultice and natural remedies and, and all credit goes to God because he's the maker of all things and God is, is the God of nature. So he, he could have said through all of this, God is the one that healed me. And let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you how powerful my God is. My God is a healer of the mental. My God is a healer of the physical. My God is a healer of the spiritual. Instead of Hezekiah doing that, you know what he did? He says, Come in here. Let me show you my beautiful palace. Let me show you my, my marbles and my and my gold and my and my silver. Let me show you how fancy my house is. He did, you know what that happened? As I mentioned earlier, medical missionary opened the door, but there was nobody the body of the third angel's message was not presented. And because the body of the third angel's message was not presented, as a result now, Hezekiah, don't miss this point, show them what they already had. When a health message draws someone, it's not for us to show them what they already have. It's to show them something different. Show them that there is a God in heaven that is all powerful. There's a God in heaven that not just, should not just be treated like Santa Claus. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. There's a God that cares about you. There's a God that cares about your feelings and your emotions. There's a God that wants to enter into your day-to-day experience. And Hezekiah had that opportunity through help him to show that, but he showed them the very same things that they already had. What a mistake. Now, as a result of Hezekiah's folly, when Isaiah came back, he says, What have they seen in thine house? Hezekiah said they saw everything. He said, there's nothing in my house that I did not show them. Isaiah said, as a result now, your sons shall be eunuchs in Babylon. Our subject is the repair of the breach. Now, when you go to the book of Daniel chapter 1, you realize that it was as a result of Hezekiah's mistake in how he utilized health reform, that put Daniel in that vicarious position of being a eunuch in Babylon. Are you with me? Now, as a result of Daniel being a eunuch in Babylon, the very first test that Daniel had was the very test that put him in that position to begin with. The thing that Hezekiah failed on, which was combining medical missionary work, combining health reform and a third angel's message, Daniel was first tested on that. So Daniel now picked up where his forefather, Hezekiah, had left off. He was tested on health reform. But praise God, Daniel passed, and he became a repairer of the breach. He became a repairer of the old waste places. And By the way, that text is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12. It says, thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the old waste places. So we see that Hezekiah made a breach. Hezekiah failed on her reform. Hezekiah failed to show Barak Dalaban, Babylon, who literally came to the remnant, the opportunity uh, about the God who healed him. And now Daniel's in the same position, my friends, and praise God. Daniel was a repair of the breach. He did not fail where his father, Hezekiah, did. Daniel took his stance on hell reform. Then he was was able to declare Babylon is fallen. And he was also able to give us the prophetic book of Daniel, all because he first passed that test on hell reform. By the way, many of us are being tested on health reform now. And I pray that we're passing that test as well. So we see that every institution established by seven-day Adventists is to be to the world what Joseph was in Egypt and what Daniel and his fellows were in Babylon. What am I saying? Like Daniel, we are called to pick up where our forefathers have messed up. Hezekiah messed up. He did not connect the gospel. And now Daniel had to step in and fix where his forefathers have left up. What I want to share with you is that in this denomination, there has also been a breach. Like like Hezekiah, our forefather, we have to be the Daniels in our institutions. In every institution that we have established, we have to be like Daniel to make sure that we're making a connection with how reform the gospel. Now, we see that history is repeating itself. I want you to notice the statement. The statement was made in 1907. It says, medical missionary work is yet in its infancy. The meaning of genuine medical missionary work is known by but few. Why? It says, because the Savior's plan of work has not been followed. That statement was made in 1907. That was significant about this. What's significant about this is in 1906. Now, remember, this statement was 1907. In 1906, Dr. Kellogg states, the number of patients grew from 106 to 1866, In uh, 1866. To 7,006 patients during the year 1906. So he's saying, We have grown. We have grown. He says, We, we came into existence in 1866. And he says, we have, we have grown exponentially because we are only seeing 106 patients and now we're seeing 7,006 patients. And he says, uh, in, in the year 1906, he says, We have grown exponentially. But I want you to notice it says, medical missionary work is yet in its infancy. The meaning of genuine medical missionary work is known by but few. Why? Because the Savior's plan of work has not been followed. Now, at that time, the medical missionary work was 40 years old, 1866 to 1906. And LOI says medical missionary work is yet in its infancy. If you see a 40-year-old that still had the characteristics and the behavior of an infant, you would say that it had arrested development. That means medical missionary work had an arrested development. Even though Dr. Kellogg says we have grown, though White says, I still see an infant. He said, we grew to this amount in 1906. And White says, I see that you said that you have grown, but what I see is an infant. Which leads to our next poll question. How many patients attended our first sanitarium in 1866? A, 106. B. 1,006, C, 706, or D, 7,006. How many patients attended our first sanitarium in 1866? You give me the number. All right, now I'm gonna keep moving because I see my, my time is fast. When I say fast, I mean fast passing. I'm gonna to have to skip through some things. But uh, while Chris to get this, that together, just to give you some context, when that statement was made in 1907, um, there have been some notable guests that had already attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Christy, you could just jump right in One of you have those polls ready. King Edward had attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. William Taft, which was our 27th president, has attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Thomas Edison also attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Amelia Earhart, the first female to fly across the Atlantic, also attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Warren Harding, our 29th president, Henry Ford, Ford Motor Company, James Cash Penny, JC Penny, John Rockefeller, Harvey Firestone, Sojourner Truth had all uh, attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. And in addition to that, the Battle Creek Sanitarium was the largest health institution, I want you to notice the next words, in the world. I didn't say in the United States. So he had all these attendees. It was the largest health institution in the world. And LOI says medical missionary work is still an infant arrested development all right chris do you have our polls
0: yep so the answer uh most people chose number one 106 and we did have uh one person choose number two
1: all right so, the so number one and two. Is, mm-hmm. yeah the correct answer is in fact 106 and then he said it grew to 7006 in 1906 but we saw that even though he thought that it grew and says it was an infant so you see all these prominent people, uh, politicians and presidents and kings and, 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 and people of influence and moneyed men, they all uh, attended the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Now, not all of them uh, were uh, attended before the statement was made, but you could still get the thrust of the influence of the Battle Creek Sanitarium and also the largest health institution in the world. But Ellen White looks at it and says medical missionary work is yet in its infancy. In addition to that, my friends, notice what she said about Dr. Kellogg. She says, Dr. Kellogg is the greatest physician in the world. She also said that Dr. Kellogg was God's physician. Now, think about it. The largest institution in the world, the greatest physician in the world, and had influences attending the Battle Creek Sanitarium, seven hundred six patients. But Ellen White looks and still say, I still see an infant. I wonder why. I wonder why. I'm going to skip through a few things. Um, for the sake of time, but she tells you the reason why. And we're going to skip, we're going to skip poll number seven, Christy. We're going to skip that one. And uh, she gives you the reason why. She says, medical mission at work is yet in its infancy. The meaning of genuine medical mission at work is known by but few. Then she says, why? Then she says, the Savior's plan of work has not been followed. So she said, even though Dr. Kellogg is doing all these wonderful things, he has not followed the Savior's plan of work. Even though we have presidents and kings and princes and men of prestige and power attending the Battle Creek Sanitarium, she says, he's still not following the Savior's plan. She said, something is wrong. I still see an infant. Now, my question is this, or should I say, what question would you ask? And don't forget to put your questions in the question uh in in the question section and also write down comments that you might have as well so that when we take those last 10 to 15 minutes to, uh, to answer questions that we'll have the opportunity to actually have some questions to answer so my question would based on a statement what would be the question the question would be what is the savior's plan what is the savior's plan I'm not going to have time to go through it with you, but I'll just summarize it in the book of Matthew, chapter four. Jesus says, "Follow me, and I should make you fishes of men." In other words, follow me, and I'll show you my plan of evangelism. Then, in verse 23, the Bible says, "And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, uh, 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 pre- teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel, and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people." So we saw that he was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. Now, which one did he do more? In a book, Ministry of Healing, page 17. And Lawai says during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing than to teaching. So we saw that Jesus did more. Now, when you go to verse 24 and verse 25 of Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that he was healing many sicknesses and many diseases among the people. And as a result, the Bible says great multitudes followed him. So we see now as a result of his healing ministry, which he did more, he had great multitudes that followed him. Now, as a result of Jesus' healing in Matthew 4, verse 24 and 25, there was a great multitude that followed him. Then you go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 and Matthew 4 are, when you read the original scrolls, it's just one rolling scroll. It's not a separation of thought, even though it's a separation of chapters. Praise God for the separation of chapters. That's what I'm able to say go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. But my point is this. The sermon on the mount found in Matthew chapter 5 was a continuation of the healing found in Matthew chapter 4. The healing came as a result. I'm sorry, the preaching came as a result of the healing in the valley. He drew the great multitudes now. And then the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, What am I saying? Christ combined medical missionary work with teaching. Christ combined medical missionary work with preaching. He healed, but he didn't stop there. He didn't just say, you know what, I'm going to give you more years to live a sinful life. He said, you know what, I must also give you the gospel. We see he combined it. So my question then is, what went wrong at Battle Creek? Number one, we see that he was not following the Savior's plan. What was Dr. Kellogg doing? He was raising up a mammoth institution, and White 1 is not the largeness of the institution. He says when you raise up a large and mammoth institution, it says you lose sense of the high standard of spirituality. He said, then, you, then she says, you're going to have to hire workers who are not Christians. You're going to have to hire workers who are not Adventists. Then you're going to have to hire workers who do not understand the third angel's message. Because remember, God's purpose in giving the third angel's message is to prepare people to stand true to him during investigative judgment. And this is the reason why we establish and maintain sanitariums. It is for the purpose of proclaiming the third angel's message. And you cannot proclaim the third angel's message in a sanitarium with workers who are not Adventists, who does not understand the third angel's message. Then he said, he wants that there's a danger that you're going to hire people who are not spiritually minded. That was a warning. Now, did he follow the counsel? He did not. So he took this structure, this home-like sanitarium, small, not mammoth, in 1866 that was established by God because she had a vision in in 1863 about the sanitarium work and then in 1865 she had a vision about the sanitarium work specifically in 63 she had a vision about health reform 65 she had a vision about uh, sanitarium work in 66 they had this institution ready and ready to roll there's much behind that story but I'm not able to share that now so Dr. Kellogg tore this down in 1878 and he built this we see that it is large. It is a mammoth institution. It is exactly against what she says. It is humongous. She said, And as a result, he began to hire workers who are not spiritually minded, workers who do not understand his third angel's message. And we see that the, the combining of medical missionary work and the third angel's message, it lost that, that combining, and then it became separate. The, 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 the medical missionary workers and the church was separate, and LOI says that created the worst evil, my friends if we understand the true purpose of medical missionary work. So he tore it down and built this mammoth and fancy institution. And notice it says here, uh, among his, uh, along with his high numbers of patrons, he had at one time 800 workers at one time, and uh, sometimes more than 1,000 workers with 30 physicians, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to skip this poll question. In fact, let me do, go ahead and ask this. In fact, I'll skip these. I'm running out of time, so let me just skip these. As a result of Dr. Kellogg's disobedience, in February 18th, 1902, there's a fire that burned the Battle Creek Sanitarium down to the ground. Burned it down completely. In fact, when the firemen came to put out the fire, they said, you Adventists have some strange fires. They said, the more we put water on your fire, they're like gasoline. is It, 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 it infusing and it ignites the fire. We're told ellen White said that there was an angel over battle creek that would not move until uh, the sword of the angel would not move until god's purpose was fulfilled for that disobedient institution to be burned out but did dr kellogg get the point no he did not because in 1903 dr kellogg actually built this larger bigger and continued the same direction that the savior's plan of work has not was not being followed not combining a medical mission work and a third angel's message, hiring workers who are not Adventists who does not understand the third angel's message. And as a result, it's it's it still became just a worldly institution. And I'm gonna spare some of the details, but he wrote this book, Living Temple, and Review and Herald decided they're gonna print it, even though N.Y. says no. And then Review and Herald in December of 1902 also burned down to the ground. But let me ask a question now. What went wrong with the Battle Creek Sanitarium? What went wrong? Notice what it says here. It says, if a sanitarium connected with the closing work, listen to this, my friends. If a sanitarium connected with the closing work and the closing message fails to lift up Christ and the principles of the gospel as developed in the third angel's message, it fails in its most important feature and contradicts the very object of It's existence. We're talking about medical missionary work and the third angel's message. Listen to me, my friends. The prophet to the remnant tells us that if our institutions or if our individuals in the institution, the church institution, the church body, are carrying out medical missionary work and they're not combining it with the message of Christ, the message of hope, the message of healing, if it's not combining with the third angel's message, which is lifting up Christ, then she says, you as an individual or us as an institution or as a church has contradicted the very object of our existence. Our existence is to bring people into a harmonious relationship with Christ. And she said, God has given us hell reform and medical missionary work to combine the 30 angels message so that people can develop that relationship with Jesus Christ, my friends. So what is the object and the purpose of medical missionary work? It says, we should ever remember that the object of medical missionary work is to point sin sick men and women to the man of Calvary who taketh away the sin of the world, my friends. If what we're doing is not leading people to Christ, if what we're doing is not giving them a saving relationship with Jesus, my friends, we're doing nothing but taking sick sinners and making them healthy sinners. Instead of taking sick sinners and giving them to the man who taketh away the sin of the world and turn them into healthy saints. That's the object of medical missionary work, my friends. That's the object. So somebody says, so why do we need the practical? Why do we have the massage then? Because I asked the question, why do we have the the hydrotherapy? And why do we have the the remedies and these different modalities? It is simply so that we can get closer to the people, my friends. One hand on a patient and one hand on Christ. And as we are massaging them, we're connected with Christ. And then we're told that the love of Christ in a healing, life-giving current is to flow through your life. We're told that Christ's servants are the channels of his working and, and through them he desires to exercise his healing power. So Christ is saying the reason why I I, I give it you thinks is so that you can get opportunity as you're talking with them as you're massaging them, guess what you're able to do. you're able to talk to them about Christ. As you're putting that that a that, I mean, hydrotherapy and you and you're doing the, the hot foot bath and you're and you are and doing these these these, these, these 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 practical modalities, it is an opportunity now for you to open your mouth as Christ did after healing them and begin to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in heart. It's beginning for you, for you to teach them now, come see a man, Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of medical missionary work. It's simply a means and a liaison to say, I must get this person to Christ. They might not be directly interested in Christ, but they are interested in healing their cancer. They might not be directly interested in Christ, but they might be interested in healing their high blood pressure or their diabetes or their obesity. But come see a man, my friends. That can reveal all these things to you. Come see a man that says, I'm the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Come see a man that says he is wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Come see that man. That's the purpose of medical missionary work. And if we if we fail to understand this, we defy the very object of our existence. Come see a man, my friends. That, like that lady uh, that had an issue of blood when she touched the hem of his garment the Bible said that virtue was gone out of her why because she began to sap the vital force of Christ he says I love you so much that I'm not just healing you from sins I'm healing you for your diseases and I and I bear your iniquities and carry your infirmities come see a man that is the purpose of medical missionary work my friends now I could summarize by saying, as a result of Dr. Kellogg's folly, he messed up, separated from the church, beginning to do humanitarian work without the gospel. And we are to be like Daniel in these time, my friends. We need to repair the breach that Dr. Kellogg has messed up. He caused a separation between the church and medical missionary work. And we are, we are told that we're still living in the worst evil. And we are told, my brothers and sisters, that when you study it, this is, is deep rooted in what will be called the alpha of apostasy because it is deep rooted in the omega of apostasy. And in every institution established by seven day Adventists be to the world, what Joseph was in Egypt and what Daniel was in, and his fellows were in Babylon, when, when Hezekiah messed up, don't miss this point, when Hezekiah messed up, Daniel said, you know what, I am not going to complain of this vicarious position that I'm in. God has called me into Babylon to fix the problem, so therefore I'm going to take my stand on hell perform, but I'm going to connect it with the gospel. And he did it without complaining, my friends. So God is saying, in these last days, we realize now that our forefather, Dr. Kellogg, has messed up by separating hell from the gospel. So now He's saying we need to take hold of this. And as a result of taking hold of this, my brothers and sisters, we make that connection that was that that make that connecting link that was missing. We repair the breach that was missing. And like Daniel, we are called to pick up where our forefathers have messed up. We have been called to repair. I'll share with you one example, and then we'll close. Notice what this says here. It says, the world must have an antidote for sin. As the medical missionaries work intelligent to relieve suffering and save life, hearts are softened. Notice what this says. Those who are helped are filled with gratitude. Now listen to these words. I love these words, my brothers and sisters. They they bring joy to my heart because I've seen it. Listen. As the medical missionary works upon the body, God works upon the heart. Praise God, my brothers and sisters. As you're giving a massage, God is working on the heart. As you're giving a poultice, God is working on the heart. As you're walking with a patient and walking with a friend, God is working on the heart. As you give giving a health consultation and as you health coaching, my friends, God works on the heart. That's medical missionary work, my friends. So it's not just about our ability as it is about our availability. I had a few stories to share with you, but I'm only going to share one. Last year, and I'll close in two minutes so that we can have time for some questions. A year and a half ago, I went to preach in West Tennessee and I did a full week of health reform. This beautiful family came uh, the, the, the 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 night that I, that I started and they stuck with us the whole time. And, um, you know, they were... The, the The lady has stage three emphysema, the worst state, I think that's stage three, emphysema, she has to walk around with the oxygen tank. The guy in a blue shirt, which is our son, he has diabetes and high blood pressure. He has all kind of issues and and, and he, they're on multiple medications. So they came to the seminar and they they were just thrilled them blown away with with health reform as it is connected with the gospel in Christ. But we have to make it practical. So I did a health consultation with them and I kind of shared with them some things that they need to do walking, pretty much going through the eight laws of health. I'm cutting it short, is the family here. So then I say, you know what? You guys need immediately need to start walking and exercising. The lady shared that she was severely depressed and she can't walk. You know, I, I, I I'm severely obese. I can't walk. I, I, I'm on a walker. I I, I have emphysema. Uh, I I just can't do it. I said, you ask me for my help, and we're going to walk it tomorrow. I was firm. Praise God. Sometimes sometimes you you, you 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 need to like 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 uh, like 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 those angels go and pull someone out, my friends. I pull that out. I saw that this lady needed to be pulled out of her sadness, pulled out of her depression, pulled out of her misery, pulled out of the obesity, pulled out of all the things that she's suffering with. And that very day, next day, guess what happened? We all went walking together. And that lady walked for a three-quarter mile. And before I left, I said, you know what? We're going to make sure that I connect you with the elders and the by-workers at this church. So I made the connection. I brought the elder there. That's uh, my friend there. He's an elder. And you see the lady here, she's she was the Bible worker of the church. Uh, the lady there with the, the tie on her head that said, uh, we, we're going to all go walking together because when I leave, they're not going to see me anymore. And I, I need you to come and spend time with them too so that when I leave, they'll still have someone that they're comfortable with. So we all went walking. Now, her son says, I was born a Baptist and I'm going to die a Baptist. And, you know, I didn't challenge him, uh, but they saw Through the messages and my interaction with them and spending time with them, they saw that they needed a lot more in health reform. They needed a lot more to be addressed spiritually. They were depressed. I was able to give them counseling about their depression and so on and so forth. And they said I needed more. I said, before I left, I said, look, I understand that you're off another persuasion. But this particular church that you have been attending, everything that I've been teaching you this week, they could help you to continue. And the church members begin to visit them. The church members can go into their house and fixing their cars and helping to get their house cleaned up. The church members continue to give cooking classes and they sent it to one of our sanitarium in the West Tennessee and they spent some time there and got a, got a cleanse and so on and so forth. And as a result, my friends, last week I was able to join via FaceTime. These two people being buried in a watery grave of baptism. Praise God, my friends. How did it start? medical missionary work. And I can share with you, as I said, I have multiple stories lined up, but I'm already out of time. We only have six minutes to take questions now. So I'm going to pause here and pray, but I want to encourage you to let you know that as the medical missionary works upon the body, God works upon the heart. Never lose sight of the fact that medical missionary work must be connected with the gospel. It works, my friends. I have proven it time and time again. At Weimar, right where I am now, as a TCI coordinator uh, uh I could share with you stories of, after stories of how many people now are being baptized as a result of doing something simple because sometimes we think medical missionary work is only herbs and poultices, as I said. It could be going and cleaning somebody's house. It could be going and cleaning somebody's gutters. It could be going and washing somebody's car. I've cleaned a person's gutter, my friends. And now they're a baptized member of the church or as a result of me doing medical missionary work by cleansing the gutter. Medical missionary work, my brothers and sisters, is recognizing that the sanctuary in heaven is being cleansed. Therefore, we need to cleanse arteries. Therefore, we need to cleanse minds. Therefore, we need to cleanse bodies. And as we begin this cleansing process, Jesus cleanses their heart and binds hearts to hearts. I'll stop here and pray. Father, thank you for what we learned. Now, as we transition these last few minutes for questions, bless our time, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and stop my share. And uh, Christy, I'll have you... Jump in if there are any questions whatsoever.
0: Yes, there are questions. And first of all, thank you so much for that powerful message. I know I really enjoyed it. And from the comments that I've been receiving, um, everyone's been really enjoying it. So thank you so much. But we'll jump right into some of the questions here. We have one from Karine Ashbourne. And she asks, how can one begin medical missionary work with family members who have a completely different mindset or beliefs? And how can this be done within strained relationships?
1: Okay, um, this, that, that question requires more time. So I'll actually refer you to contact me at info at treeoflifeministries.com. Send that question there, but I'm gonna do my very best to, to give a brief answer, but contact me at info at treeoflifeministries.com. That requires a little bit more digging deeper to find out what the issues are. But I'll say this, medical missionary work, as I mentioned, is a lot simpler than we think. Medical missionary work is more about a demonstration than a proclamation. So how they see you live your life. There's one family that we went to their house. They were, uh, they were vegetarians, and my wife and I were completely plant-based. And they're so used to being condemned for not being completely plant-based um, that when whenever people came by to stay with them, you know, medical missionaries and so on and so forth, they, they they'll condemn them and they get completely turned off. When my wife and I went there, we didn't say anything. You know, we, I don't know why say we could do medical missionary work at the dinner table. So we sat with them. There's whatever we saw that we, we were eat that was completely plant-based. We eat it if it had. You know, dairy products or other things that we saw that we couldn't eat, we just didn't eat it without complaining. We didn't say anything. We just simply selected the things that we could eat. That family, as a result, became completely plant based by how we conducted ourselves. So, when you think about medical mission work, sometimes we think about what we do, but it's sometimes just how you live. Um, there's much other principles that's much broader and deeper. But again, contact me at dot org rather, and I'll be able to dig a little bit deeper and, and help you to get a better understanding. Of what's going on?
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, fantastic question, great answer. Um, we have another one in here. Um, I I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I will butcher it. But the question is: Is acupuncture a God-approved method of medical missionary work today?
1: Yes. the uh, the, the answer is no. Um, it is not. And I can't get into all the details of it again because that's that's a very uh, specific question. But I know. But I'll just answer it. Uh, by just sharing with you the true method and the true method naturally takes away the false methods. Ella White says that there's many ways of practicing the healing art, but there's only one method that God approves. You know what she mentioned? The eight laws of health. Godly trust, open air, daily exercise, sunshine, proper rest, lots of water, always tempered in nutrition. She said that's that's the main way of practicing the healing art. Um, acupuncture, actually anything that, 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 that alters especially the central nervous system is something that you want to stay away from any modality that takes you away from the simple principles of eight laws of health is something that you want to be aware of. God has given us that template of what we should utilize. And that's what you want to, you want to use as a means of, 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 of what the guidance is. I do have a message that, that, that's called um, uh, the God's true methods of healing, false, sorry, false methods of healing and go through the different modalities and why they're wrong. So again, you could go ahead and email me at info at And if you email me there, I can send you a link to that message as well so that you can get access to that information.
0: Awesome. That's a, I think that's a question that a lot of people probably have um, because just society today has all these ideas of, you know, what proper healthcare is, and maybe that's not actually the proper, um, you know, God-given way to do healthcare. So thank you for that. Um, we have another question from Angie Hung. Again, hope I'm saying that right. And she wants to know how can people work with you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very good question. I'm going to give you, you a different email. Um, and we have a full team uh, that could we uh, uh, they're in Red River Outpost. And we're located in Stanton, Kentucky. And, you know, I, I, I was going to play it if I had time, but. If you go to YouTube and type in Red River Outpost, two different words, Red River Outpost, it shows you a video of how God miraculously provided for us that institution uh, there in Stanton, Kentucky, which is uh, about 50 minutes east of Lexington, where we're carrying out this work. But I'll say go ahead and email us at info at redriveroutpost.org, info at redriveroutpost.org, and we'll be able to work with you and, and get that question answered for you answered for you, info at Red River Outpost, all together.
0: Okay, thank you. Okay, we have some more questions coming in as we're talking. Um, where can we find medical or trained medical missionaries that can work in a doctor's office? And that was asked by Eliana Swina.
1: Yes, um, I would say partner with, one of the things you wanna do is partner with the current institutions that are training medical missionaries. I currently work at, at Weimar, I, I wear multiple hats, I'm all over the place. So I, 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 can't share the details now, but at Weimar Institute we, we have a, a program called the Health Program, and we run that program every fall, the fall semester. So it starts in two weeks and it goes till the end of end of the semester, which is early December, late late uh, November. Uh, but you want to partner with the Weimar Institute, you want to partner with Wildwood Wildwood um, uh, Health Retreat, you want to partner with UG Pines. These are all medical institutions that you know that are very prominent. There's m- m- much more as well. Um, and ASI, I'm quite sure, have a, a, a much broader list of the varying institutions. And you want to find out when when are they doing their training? And as they're doing their training, what you always find is that there are students that are looking what to do next. So as you look at, as you uh, partner with them, you say, Do you have any potential students that are interested in working in my office? And then they could tell you the potential students.
0: Awesome. Um, we do have a couple more questions. Do you mind going a few minutes over, or do I, you need I, I, a- I-
1: I'm perfectly fine.
0: Okay, cool. Then this is fun. All right. So Elizabeth Sprague, um, she asked, what about reflexology? And I'm assuming that's relating to um, the previous question, asking if that's a God-approved uh, method of medical missionary work.
1: Yeah, same principle. And again, um, just go ahead and send me an email at info at And what I'll do is I'll send you the specific message that we have that actually covers the false methods of healing. It, gets into, it talks about reflexology as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll need to check that out. Okay, it looks like we and have all,
1: all those allergies, iridology, reflexology. Uh, they're all methods that you find that when you study deeply, heaven does not approve. They have the, a lot of them have their, their their stem and they're rooted in in mysticism and uh, Eastern religion and different things of that nature. It alters the mind, opens up the mind for, for varying things, and also alters the central nervous system, which alters your thinking. Uh, and that's the idea behind them. But uh, that message will give more details.
0: All right. So it looks like we have one more um, by Joanne McDermott. And she's asking, is it all right for a woman to give a man a massage treatment?
1: Absolutely. If, it, if it, the answer is, if it is your husband or if it's a if it's son, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What <laughs> if that man is not your husband or a son or near to kin that there's direct principles in the spirit of prophecy that tells us that males should be serving males and females should be serving females and that practice should be carried on in our institutions as well. And I don't have this reference specifically in front of me now, but if you go ahead and email me at info at treeoflifeministries.org, I'll give you the reference that states that specifically.
0: Fantastic. Well, I just want to thank you again. We've received a lot of comments saying that this is powerful message and um, people are really enjoying it. I actually do have one question just out of my own curiosity, because we didn't get to that last poll. And the question was how large should our sanitariums be? And now I'm curious because I don't know the answer to that.
1: Okay. Um, Let me back up here. (laughs)
0: Sorry Sorry to make it complicated.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's not a specific answer per se. But I would say I wouldn't get into the hundreds. So mm-hmm. I would say you could safely. My preference, person, would be ten and under. Mm-hmm. But you can safely go to you know 20, 25, even thirty, if you're able to manage the spirituality of the institution. Uh, at Weimar, you know, we we get twenty-four to thirty, um, but we we still ensure that we only have 7th day Adventist physicians, 7th day Adventist nurses, and everyone that works with us there at Weimar are Adventist. Who believes the message um so if if for some reason you find that you know i'm still getting a lot of patients but i don't have enough workers to supply them then you're going to say all right I can, I can i can no longer take 30. i may have to go down to 20 because i only have 20 workers who are able to maintain the third angel's message mm-hmm. if you finally lose some more works you might say you know what i'm only going to do 10 because that's the workers that i have to maintain the message mm-hmm. So that, that's the, the main issue is don't lose sight of the message. And when you get into the hundreds, then you're going to run into problems.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much. And I think we're going to let you go here. Um, but I really appreciate the extra five minutes that you've given us. And thank you so much for the incredible message. So um, we really, really appreciate that you could come.
1: Thank you. God bless. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.